Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Rick Anderson. Rick, how's it going, bud? It's going great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Happy to be here. Good. And Rick, where are you located for all those listeners out there in all I'm parts in of the Charlotte, U.S.? North Carolina. Yeah. Beautiful. Is that where you're from? Coast. Okay. So I grew up, my parents were military, so I kind of grew up going all over the place. But uh, right. when I finished high school, we were in the Carolinas. So this is kind of where cool. I ended up. Awesome. Which was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of gray highlights in your beard there. So yeah, just, yeah. it's wisdom. That's right. Uh, and, and a lot of, uh, uh, of lessons learned where you hide the scars under that beard, right? You got it. Yeah. Now, uh, for those listening out there, uh, I'm broadcasting all the way live from a friend's house. And um, as luck would have it, the dog may bark uh, and offer interjections into our interview, but we'll try and stick with it as best we can. So, Rick, uh, I met you at a, at a marketing automation event, um, and it, you happen to volunteer the fact that you're like, oh, yeah, I've been in the fitness game, uh, owned a couple gyms, offer some services, blah, blah, blah. Can you give her any idea of what you do now and then back it up to why the heck you would go into that business? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting little niche. Um, right now what I do is help fitness franchises build automation. Uh, so at the franchisee level, right? So it helps the, the software and the logic helps franchisees operate on a daily basis. And then it also rolls data up to the franchisor so they can, you know, have some insight into what's working and what's not working. So for those listeners who might not understand the model, because some, some people never dip their toe in franchises, basically if you were say, and this isn't it, but if you're Orange Theory Fitness, you help the owner of the local Henderson, Nevada, Orange Theory Fitness do some things. And then you take all that data and send it upstairs to Orange Theory Corporate to say, here's what we're seeing across all of our, all of the locations about these certain things. So we keep a lot of data streaming like that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a fair um, description. It, it, it works both ways. So initially, we'll work with the franchisor, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. they've got, well, tell me if I get too deep in the weeds here, but, yeah. um, you know, franchises start because somebody's got a good idea and good systems for how to run a successful business, right? Um, right. And so what happens typically, franchisees um, aren't necessarily the best at executing those systems. And franchisors aren't necessarily the best at providing the structure for them to be able to execute their system. So, right. It's kind of a clash of two personalities, I think, because inherently a franchisee says, I want to, I'm willing to pay whatever, let's just say $150,000 for your systems, because I inherently don't have systems, but I recognize the fact they probably make me better. So there are people who don't build the systems as they go. And they're like, I'll just buy it. Whereas the franchisors, started out as somebody who just had to build the systems along the way, or they would have had nothing to franchise. That's right. So, and then there's like this clash of like, 
So here's here's the greatest uh, hiring story I ever heard. Right, uh, this will this will apply because I love stories. So, a friend of mine runs a um, a financial services business, and in that world, the key thing that will end your career faster than anything, you have to have a mofo of a compliance officer. Like in the right. in the loans that she does, you have to have every I dotted, every T cross, and if it's not, if it has to be in the right color of blue ink and submitted in triplicate. And that one person can end your business for the rest of your life. Like if you get marked from the, I don't know if it's the, the um, trade FTC or whatever, but if you get a bad mark, good luck ever restarting that business, right? Yeah. So she goes out to hire a um, compliance officer and she's working with this company and, and they say, she's asking, how do I, how do I find the right person? And this guy is like a hiring expert goes, all right, uh, here's the question you're going to ask. Once you get down to your final list of less than 10, uh, ask them this question. Let's pretend for a second, and Rick, I'll ask you this question. Let's pretend for a second that you are making chocolate chip cookies for your kid's class, and uh, it's 11 o'clock at night. All the stores are closed in your area. You, they have, your kid has to show up tomorrow morning with uh, the chocolate chip cookies, and as you get into the recipe, you realize you don't have baking soda. Now it only calls for a quarter teaspoon of baking soda, but you don't have any in the house. What do you do? Oh but, man, you put me on the spot. Yeah, but what would you I'm do? Gonna, I mean, seriously, you, stores are closed. You can't I'd go probably, buy it. I mean, honestly, I'd probably just, I'd do one of two things. All right. <clears throat> um, I'd either leave it out or um, I would follow the old, you know, how your, your kids go, mom, 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 mom. And then dad, what? Where's mom? <laughs> I would go find mom, right? Mm. And say, all right, what do I need to do here? So do one of those two things. Yeah. Cause you're an entrepreneur. So it's like, I would push forward. Right. Right. So this woman's telling me this story and she says, she asks her four number, her four top candidates. What would you do? And one says, uh, I'd go online and find a substitute. You know, can I use something else as a leavener? Right. I would, one of them said, my mom lives three blocks away. I'd go break into her house, uh, which is kind of cheating. I thought, you know, and finally, uh, so she's asking, she's getting all these answers. And finally, one woman stops and looks at her and it's like, what, what do you mean? And she says, you're making cookies. You know, you run out of baking soda. And Why would you put baking soda? No, the woman's like, I don't understand the question. She's like, it's real simple. You're making cookies. The store's closed. She's like, yeah, but I would never start making cookies until I confirmed I had all the ingredients. I don't understand your question. There you go. And <laughs> she's like, boom, you're my gal. Hired. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten a job. <laughs> right. But you're not a compliance guy, right? Like that, right. like we don't, yeah. And neither am I. So I'm just saying that at the essence, the franchisors are probably sitting there thinking when they're looking at their hundred franchisees going, how come you can't organize this? I don't understand right. why it's so hard because inherently they're, you know, system builders versus system buyers and, there's a difference of opinion there. So anyways, that's a long diatribe to go into the fact that you work in a, a franchise fitness model. You were a franchisee, right? And now you're a servicer of the franchisees and right. franchisor. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. So that road was probably not easy to get to when you're like, hey, I'm going to end up offering the service. So if we go back, you started out as a franchi franchisee, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. So there you are, like this young, hungry, good looking dude. You're like, man, I, I want to get in the fitness game, baby. Yeah. I was, uh, in my mid twenties and, uh, kind of come across this. I always had a kind of an entrepreneurial itch and had come across this franchise system that seemed to be a good fit of being able to do business and 
you know, follow something that I had an interest in, which was fitness. And I came across uh, this particular franchise and um, went and begged my parents to loan me some money so I could start it. And they were kind enough to oblige and moved up to Charlotte and opened uh, my first location uh, in early 2004. And, uh, you know, I got really fortunate because in 2004, the economy was really good. So anything that I, it made up for everything that I really wasn't very, very good at from an operational standpoint, but nevertheless, when you wear a a orange shirt one day and you're like, Oh, business. Okay. You show up in blue the next day and you're like, Oh, I think the market responds to blue because I have three new customers today. That's that's right. No, the market's just that great. You can do anything you want. (laughs) Um, and so as things, uh, you know, things went really well that first, that first year or so, and it, it exploded. We had lots of uh, trainers that had interest in opening their own locations. So we were able to kind of foster an environment where I um, helped develop these folks, even as I was developing myself. And over the next several years, the, the market grew to 12 locations, and four of which um, I had ownership in. Wow. Um, okay. And that's just in the Charlotte area. That was just in the Charlotte area. Right. And so to, to bridge the gap between then and where I am now, I realized as we started to grow that uh, we were doing things really inconsistently, not just on an individual location basis, but from location to location. And, you know, there's clearly, uh, there's always the best way to do something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. within, within reason. Um, yeah. uh, and so I found that we needed a process in place to not only uncover what the best way was, but to make sure once we knew what it was, that we could execute that consistently at a single location. And then if we executed it at one location, it was being done the exact same way um, at the other locations. I'm going to uh, pause you real quick. Yeah. We're going to definitely cover that. I just want to go back for a second. You're busy. You're getting clients left and right to the point where you can open up four locations. How big yeah. are these locations on average? Roughly, are they yeah, 3,000 and 2,000? Great question. Yeah, usually in the 1,500 square foot range. Okay. And um, each one has how many, like how many um, worker bees at each one? Probably have, uh, you know, you scale obviously as you grow, but a, yeah. but a mature location would, would have probably five or six on staff, okay. depending on, on the makeup of full-time to part-time. And you mostly, uh, you guys mostly sold one hour, one-on-one personal training sessions. Is right, that right? That's right. That's okay. right. It was, all, it was primarily, I'd say 90% was one-on-one. That was kind so of our name. a higher service market than say like a CrossFit where you have like the large group and. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Without cool. question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all these models work. So everybody listening, like if you have a model you want to pursue, like they all work if you do them right. And yep. Rick's going to kind of uh, explain how you make, how he made them work. I just want to give yep. some people some uh, context here. So as you're going through, you got a couple locations open, you're running, you're hiring people left and right. And I know that I've hired some fitness people and they're incredibly reliable. They're uh, incredibly, uh, they don't ever do anything except that which you tell them to do. Uh, I'm trying to think of other BS statements to make right now, but they may have their own opinion on how to do things and they may not show yeah. up on time or they may call in sick yeah. really late or, yeah. you know, not show up. So you're dealing with all the headaches of a business owner in that. Uh, what was the first pressure you felt like, Hey, we got to actually build a system here. Was it getting new members? Was it scheduling your staff? Was it payroll? 
Well, let, let me, if it's okay, and yeah. if you don't want to go down this road, this is fine, but let me back up just a little bit because yeah. in order to get to two, three, four locations, you have to have one location that one, runs yeah. directly first, right? And then you have a whole- Yeah, what I'm trying to avoid here is like a lot of times when guys are successful like you, we jump over those lily pads of death early on and we're like, no, right. it was all right. smooth sailing. And it's like right before you built that bridge, <laughs> you know, That's right. like That's what right. was it like when the ro- river was still raging, man? That's right. Um, so from, from a single location standpoint, the hurdles we had to cross were, you know, when you open up a business or, you know, for your listeners, if they're adding this business onto their existing business, you've got multiple hats you're wearing, right? So mm-hmm. when we opened, I was not only the owner, but I was the manager. I was the trainer. I was the, you know, cleaning crew. I went and got the water. You know, you have all these hats that you wear. Lead um, sales guy, uh, head of the marketing department. All of that, all that stuff. Um, and so in order to focus on the actual business, business growth processes, right? So these would be things like marketing, sales. Um, I had to provide enough space in my schedule to be able to spend the time doing the things that were actually going to drive growth in the studio. And as much fun as training is, um, mm-hmm. And as easy it is, as it is as an owner to go, oh, well, if I train this session, I'm going to save this much on payroll, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face, right? So I had to replace myself. If I were to put a hierarchy in these positions or these hats that I was wearing, you have, uh, you know, to keep it super simple, you have trainer, then above them in the organizational chart would be the manager, and then above them would be, um, you know, the owner. Mm-hmm. And so in order to focus on just managerial and ownership tasks, I had to replace myself as a trainer. So that became, Mm -hmm. you know, priority number one, hire, Mm -hmm. find a good person, replace myself. Mm -hmm. And once I've done that, I've allowed space in my schedule to be more effective and more efficient and more competent at the managerial and ownership tasks. And as the studio continued to grow, the next step was to, um, hire a manager to replace myself at the management level. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's actually probably an easier part of the process if you've hired good at the trainer level, because somebody is going to stand out with that skill set. So I ended up promoting one of the better trainers um, up to a management position. And then that allowed me to take just the ownership role and really focus on providing support and leadership for each of those other levels in the organizational chart and to focus on the activities that were directly tied to driving the business. All right, let me stop, stop you right there because all of my listeners too, in addition to what you just said, uh, also are acting not just as trainer, but also as clinician, right. uh, head medical director, uh, owner of a clinic. Like, so they're, they're doubling down. So let me ask you this question. On a broad strokes, every situation is different and everybody's going to tell us that their business is different. And we know that that's 100% false, but we'll just allow them that right. belief. <laughs> when would you suggest they hire a trainer? What is the sign that you need to hire a trainer? Well, I, I think in, in, in the case that you're describing with broad strokes, I mean, it would be out of the gate, right? Okay. So, so when the doors open. Yeah, yeah, as soon as the doors open. I mean, I, yeah, I would okay. not expect, um, and again, broad strokes here. I won't keep adding that caveat, but um, I would think that there are activities that your listeners should be doing that are 
not to diminish it, but far above trainer pay grade. Yeah. Right. Things they yeah. should be focused on. So it would be out of the gate. Okay. Right? Number one. I, I, I agree. Like I always tell people, as soon as the thought crosses your mind, I need to hire somebody to do this. Yeah. You're too late in anything. I mean, I don't care if you're an accountant, if you're like, I need to hire somebody to take these books off my back. You probably are past the point where you need somebody. And uh, I right. just recently had a call with somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm going to wait till I'm busier to hire a trainer. I'm like, you're looking you're at it backwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, how could you possibly get busier? How can you, oh, I'm going to market them do this. It's like, well, then who's filling the training? Oh, and by the way, treating clients and uh, by the way, cleaning the place and, you know, so I, you know, I know that's easy. For, I'm sure there's listeners out there going, yeah, I don't have the money to do it. And it's like, when you hire somebody, remember, you don't hire them full time right out of the gate. Even if it's a few hours right. a week, yep. somehow it, it works out somehow. I don't know. I don't know the universal power of the world, but it, it works yep. out if you just hire a little bit. I think, I think one of the most important things in that, Josh, is that you have to take the time that's been added to your schedule. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of people run into is like, okay, I've got this time. Now, what do I do? Yeah. Like, I'm going to go be a marketer. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to invest in your education and your understanding mm-hmm. of, you know, what does it take to be a good marketer? How am I going to drive leads in? If this is now my role and my job, would mm-hmm. I go hire somebody with my skill set to do what I'm now doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and if the answer is no, then you need to add those things to your skill set or go hire somebody that had it. I mean, yeah. I remember when that, when that hit me, um, I got on, I mean, I, I'm, mm-hmm. There's obviously tons of gurus out there. You know, I kind of in <laughs> the Dan Kennedy camp and I bought yeah. basically every book. And for awesome. a year, all I just consumed everything I could. Um, because for, the, for those happened. people listening, Dan Kennedy is one of the more famous copywriters and uh, direct response marketing gurus out there and has, right. the, and yeah, it's a whole tribe of people who follow that model. Sure. And, and he, his stuff's great. And, I was and whether actually, it's him or somebody else, the point yeah. is you've got, you've got to invest in your education if you're going yeah. to be fulfilling that role. Okay. All right. So, so there you are. You're feeling this pressure. You had the one successful location. It gave you the cojones to say, we could do this again and again. Yeah. And I'm skipping over some steps because I kind of want to get to what you ended up doing. But so um, what, what system did you build when you felt like it created the most... ROI. Let's just say that in any, any sense, time, money, Rick's ability to take Friday afternoons off, whatever it was, what system did you build that you're like, man, this produced an ROI here? Um, I, do you mean, uh, like literally the system, the platform that I'm using, or, or do you think more of like a, a process or a procedure? Yeah. A process in the business. So let me give you some options. Like, Hey, we, on, you know, we, we built a system to get us leads or we built a system to take leads and follow up with them until they come in or we did an internal system. So every, every one of our clients is onboarded the right way. They, yeah. you know, get the waiver and their first session's awesome. And they get sent a, you know, thank you card and high five and everybody knows their name and we got all their billing information or was yep. it an NPS score? Like just automating, collecting an NPS score. So great question. Um, we were, we were very fragmented, right? So we had lots of, little systems, everything that you've kind of laid out there, you know, Uh simple stuff like um, this is our, how we welcome clients into the studio system, right? Like over-documented everything. The problem was that we didn't have any glue that brought the whole thing together into one, one vision. If you think about, you know, the Patriots, love them or hate them. um, 
you know, they're excellent because everybody on the team, they've got a good game plan, number one, and everybody on the team understands what the game plan is and knows how to execute it. Right. Like, yeah, it's very well run. So we had all these different. Here's players. the craziest thing I've ever heard about the Patriots. And I respect. No, I know. I'm no, 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 I'm serious. I, this is just Bill Belichick before every game goes up to the refs and asks the refs three questions about certain trick plays. Have you heard this yeah. story before? Yeah. And based on their response, he goes back in the locker room and says, hey, we're going to play the, the refs as a position one or position three or whatever knowing that they will call certain things or not call certain things based just right. upon that. And I think when you're at that level, that is, that's tertiary or beyond, you know, where you're thinking about the game to see how will the that's rest right. react. And, and I mean, just the fact that he's systematized that is, and the team knows what the hell it means is unbelievable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Awesome. Awesome example. Um, and so ultimately we had a bunch of plays, if you will, Mm-hmm. You know, different little systems for different mm-hmm. parts of the business, but they weren't put together into a book. They didn't have anything cohesive that brought everything together. You weren't um, running the West Coast offense, or the, you know. it was. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's just a little bit of a mess. We were trying hard. We were trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now, we, was this because you know a lot of people? See that this usually starts from you. Probably have a very motivated crew who's trying to improve the place. And in improving the place comes up with a quote unquote better way of doing things all the time. And when you have that happen, you know, multiple times, different time slots, different trainers, you end up with not, not a consistent way. Right. Right. Um, My, my my wife gets these M&Ms for our kids. They get as a treat from Trader Joe's (laughs) and they're the same color palette as M&Ms. So they're red, yellow, green, blue, brown. But the, to- the tone is way different. They look, they look dingy to me. <laughs> right. And I just think this is a perfect example. Like the guy on the, you know, on the day shift color machine is going full vibrant. And the other guy is like a little bit depressed, you know, with his life working right. swings. Right. So his colors are just, man, they're a little, I mean, it, they, they're still chocolate covered pieces, you know, like, hey, everything's good. It's like, they're so far away from M&Ms. It's crazy. So, you know, you, it, it makes me think of, a, of something that, that's important. And we can go down this road if you want now, or, or we can wait. Um, but, but it definitely, um, I think plays a role in what we're talking about. All, all of these little systems are designed to, uh, create a great experience or they mm-hmm. should be right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is that fitness is in very large part, a commodity. There's a million different places that people can go to do this. They could do it online. They can do group. They can do small group. They can do large group. They can do gym membership. They can do cycling, yoga, whatever, right? Like there's a a myriad of options. And so really the only two advantages that a a, um, personal training studio or a gym can have is number one, their systems, their processes. They can have a system advantage. They can be better in that area. And they can be like the, uh, the McDonald's version. We have a better system, but we don't claim that the Food quality is greater than right. whatever. Right. Yeah. But we'll and, just outproduce you. And, and, and the other, and, and I mean those systems all the way from lead gen to retention to fulfillment, all those, mm-hmm. like you just got a systemic advantage. Um, and number two would be um, an experience. Okay. Right. Like you, you've got to be better. One of the great things about personal training is that it is personal. 
right? It's not like buying a, uh, you know, if I go buy a bike on Amazon or eBay, I don't care who it comes from. It's the same bike, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm purchasing fitness from somebody, it totally matters who I'm purchasing some because I'm spending quality time. And what it does is if you create an incredible environment, an incredible experience, it's obviously going to serve retention, right? So keeping your clients around. Right. Um, Which is one of the biggest growths in all fitness is retention. uh, Yeah. You solve that that game, you're you're ahead of the curve. And it it also builds um, relationship capital. Right. Mm-hmm. Some, something, something, some other option. They're always going to be looking, right. Cause they can't help it because we're bombarded with, um, fitness marketing all day long. Um, but you don't ever want their head to turn, right. It's almost like, I don't care what they're offering. Josh is my guy, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. He's my guy. We're right. You know, connected. So I mean, to go down a, uh, a rabbit trail there, but you know, you were, t- you're talking about these systems in the M M&M and M analogy and, mm-hmm it being just a little bit off matters. It really yeah. does matter. Yeah. So, uh, so that we don't tease our, our listeners a little bit. Um, if you identify the most important systems, and I'm going to guess these are also the ones you decided to offer as a service, but in order, what would you, if you had your magic wand for a day and like, Hey, I'm talking to uh, uh, all the franchisors of, of Josh's fitness, uh, what yeah. would you tell them to systematize in order? So it would first be, you know. The, the uh, first thing I would systemize would be the in-gym experience. Okay, right? so person in your gym. Maybe that's too broad, but it would be everything that, and, and so I'm kind of in the, I always default systems now in my brain to yeah. you know, automation and logic and platforms, that sort of yeah. thing. So I'm, I'm trying to step back from that for a second. The most important thing is the is the quality of what the customer is experiencing so, from the time walking. So let's slice that even thinner. And by the way, the crazy thing to me, Rick, is you telling your story about how different it was. It was that different while you're running franchises, which should be the most standardized version of a business, right? Oh yeah. And and yeah. I mean, well, this isn't you weren't creating out a whole cloth every day. You already had the book of how to run it, and it was just so you're already making you're making the M and M's, but it's just how we make those M and M's that was wildly different right so let's let's break it down so like if we say that how about slicing it down to the first four uh workouts of somebody all right or the first two weeks or whatever we want to say if we're to standardize that piece what are the some of the aspects you would suggest that they standardize within there um i mean obviously there'd be an incoming assessment Right, okay. which I would expect that um, you know your listeners coming from the the background that they're coming from, you know that'd probably be a piece of cake to put together. Right. Some sort of standardized here. Here's where they are, right? Okay. Yep. Um, and then they'd need uh, the next thing I would put together is what is your philosophy on um, achieving results? Okay. Right? How do you, how is it that you guys do what you do in the actual training session, right? Mm -hmm. So it can't be, um, and I know this from experience, um, you can't just say, you know what, Larry's a great trainer. Larry, do your thing, right? Mike's a great trainer too. Sarah's a good trainer. You guys just look, I hired you. I trust you. Go do your thing. 
right? You've got to have some sort of system. And it may not be like down to the exact exercise, rep uh-huh. count, set count. It might be in some cases, particularly uh-huh. people coming from your background, um, if it's more rehabilitative or corrective in nature. Uh-huh. Um, but if it's just overall fitness, I think you give them lanes to work within. So you give them enough room to be creative, uh-huh. but they still fall into the, into the structure of how we do things. And here's, here's one of the big reasons for that. Um, obviously, we want standardization, but your trainers are going to come and go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's just, that's just the reality of the business. Right. And, and trainers, accountants, lawyers, graphic artists, everything yeah. it, like business is always changing. So it's not just the fitness business. As important as that personal relationship is, like I was talking about a second ago, um, it, it can't be the basis for why people are with you. It's part of it, but it can't mm-hmm. be the largest chunk of the pie because mm-hmm. if, Larry, the great trainer, decides to go open his own place or goes to work for somebody else, uh-huh. and the system is Larry, then uh-huh. your, your clients are going to be gone. Yeah. I've right? heard some sad stories about that. A friend of mine in New York City uh, basically didn't have the right paperwork, contracts, all that stuff in place, and his head trainer left, started two blocks away, took 40% of his business away. Yeah. Overnight. That's brutal. Overnight. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, even with the right paperwork in place, it's exceptionally hard to enforce. Yeah. Non-compete that's a culture a, problem. You know, like the only way, like you, you just make such a great culture. They wouldn't want to leave is that's the only, that's, that's right. the only close, that's the closest thing we have to a guarantee, but even that's, that's right. not guaranteed. That's right. Anyway. So would this work? I'm just trying to get those people who have never systematized anything thinking about this. We set up four workouts. The first one, our system is, and would Rick's Fitness work here, 30-minute workout out of the hour and a 30-minute show and tell. I'm going to walk you around the gym, show you where the bathroom is, show you where the foam rollers are, show you where the dumbbell rack is, yep. tell you how to find the dumbbell, dumbbell numbers, which seems like a ridiculously simple thing for so many people. Yep. But if we do that on our first day, here's the jump ropes, here's the mats, here's the, you know, it goes in this order, put your keys here, all that stuff. And oh, yeah. by the way, let's just double check. We got a waiver and your billing information. That's yeah. day one. Day yeah. two is, hey, we're going to go over our, um, our favorite leg exercises. Uh, and the reason we do that is we feel that our training philosophy is to prevent injury. You need to be strong in your foundation, which is your legs. So we train legs every day or every time you're here. Um, I want to take you through a couple different terminologies we use. Hip hinge, deadlift, split squat, lunge. And then we're going to do another 30 minute workout. Mm-hmm. Day three is we do a lot of pulling exercises for the upper body. We do cable rows, one arm rows, kettlebell rows, pull ups, chin ups. Uh, here's what we do. Here's how to use this. Here's the equipment we use. Here's where the bars are. Here's where the boxes are. Uh, blah, 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 blah. 30 minute workout. Day four is I want to talk to you about our cardio options. We use four major things the air bike, jump rope, battle ropes, and the rower. I want to make sure you understand how to use each one of those 30 minute workout. Now your fifth workout, you can join any, any trainer for any thing, but now we know that you've been onboarded. Would that system be okay? I think that's, I think, yes, absolutely. I think you have to reverse engineer based on, obviously based on what your product or service offering Uh is, Uh right? So, 
if this is ultimately they're going to fall into, you know, this small group model, if you will, then yes, I think what you're describing, a lot of times it's referred to as, as a 101 um, uh-huh. type scenario in the fitness industry where you're spending a number of sessions in advance teaching them, teaching them movements, mm-hmm. uh, teaching them where everything is, like what you're talking about, so that when they get into that small group environment, they're prepared and because they're not going to have one-on-one attention, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they're in okay. small group or large group, they're going to have something less than 100% of the instructor's attention. Okay. So it's really important in that case to do exactly what you're talking about, spend your time going through right. all those things. That may look a little bit different, those first four sessions, if mm-hmm. the model is one-on-one training. Mm-hmm. Right. In that case, um, because you're there with them, you may just do, you know, an, an intro session where you show them around, get them comfortable, introduce them to people, um, do an assessment. And then your next sessions, you're really kind of getting into it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're there with them for every exercise and you're controlling what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you can kind of jump, jump right into it based on what their assessment shows you, if that makes sense. Yeah. But to build a system out of what we're talking about is just identify what you want to do in those first yeah, four visits absolutely. and then write that on a piece of paper and laminate it because when it's laminated, it lasts forever. That's, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it's laminated, it's, it's law and everybody will do it. No doubt. That's right. And if you, and you put it on the wall, I mean, it's a done deal. That, that's gospel <laughs> then, right? That's better than burning uh, or stone tablets. Yeah. That's but right. in all seriousness, if you just had those four sheets and no matter where you're at, hey, when it's a new client and they're on visit, you know, third workout. Here's what we always do in third workout. That is the start of a system. And I, I think if we measured a gym that did that just on four, the first four workouts versus just went freehand, yeah. I think we're going to end up with a better business. Oh, just no, no doubt. No doubt about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that'd be your first vote for what to do. Because everybody who doesn't have a business or everybody that is from outside the business goes, oh, the number one thing is get new leads, right? Most of the time, the problem, there are many businesses that have died of indigestion rather than starvation, meaning exactly. they got way too many leads. Yeah. And by the way, that. when you, you use those leads and bring them into a crappy system, they now hate your business before they're That's indifferent, right. but now they That's hate it. Right. <laughs> so they're guaranteed not to come back. Yep. So if we did that, standardize that first part, then what would your next system you would suggest building be? I think at that point... I would probably shift once I felt like we had the experience um, at least facing the right direction, right? Like there's, okay. you're always going to be improve it. There's always going to be improvements. Um, the next thing I would focus on would be uh, lead gen. Okay. If we're talking from a, you want to say like from a, a, kind yeah, of a global yeah. uh, business perspective. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think once you start, once you've got a good product, it's time to start bringing people in because you, you know, you got to provide oh, okay. uh, funds to operate the business. Yeah. But a very close second to that would be um, retention processes because it's a okay. lot less expensive to keep a client than it is to get a new one. So month, if I were opening month one, focus on the first onboarding, on-ramping, initial would, client experience. I'll stop you there for just a second. That would be like month negative two. Okay. Right. Cool. Two months before you open, that should yeah. be 100% dialed in so that you're not, uh-huh. you know, okay. costs yeah. associated before you open. This is like making sure. Yeah. This is making sure you have a crib uh, and diapers before you bring the kid home from the hospital. You're saying. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you don't That's be like, exactly I know we got the kid. Right. We're going to stop by Target on the way home, yeah. and uh, we'll see how it works out. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. You are. So, sure. That'll go well. So, uh, all right. So we figure out what we're going to do and then uh, actually use that. And as simple as writing it down and like printing it out in Google Docs and laminating it, that's your first system. Second system, lead generation. Uh, there are yep. tombs and encyclopedic volumes written about how to get lead generation. Again, sticking broad. You've done it. You've seen it. You've seen other franchisees do it. Give us some highlights of what you would suggest. Should I buy billboard space? Uh, run an ad on the six o'clock news? Yeah, or? I, I, think it, I think it really depends on the market. I think the first thing that I would do if I were, given what you've explained about your, your audience, is that they've uh-huh. already got a list, right? They've already got a captive audience. So I hope so. Before I spent any money on external marketing, I would go hardcore into that internal list. Okay. Um, use, I mean, you don't have to get super crazy in any CRM to be able to email blast folks, but I would put together uh, a know, CRM a, is customer relationship manager. Sorry. That could be, yes. yeah, you and I use Infusionsoft, super high yeah. level. A simple yeah. one would be MailChimp. That'd be fine. Yeah. Tracks all, all your people, and you're going to send an email. That's that's exactly right. Yeah, we just okay. need to market to your internal the, the list that you already have, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. um, so know, I have a funny experience. Like, I'm glad you're saying this because uh, when I say it, uh, I don't know. You know, people assume I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But uh, it's like you're an expert outside of your town, you know. But in in your town, you're not. Right. Uh, that happens in my every home. every person I've ever worked with. There's two camps. Uh, there's the I don't want to email them. They're not really going to be interested. And then there's the, I did email them. I was blown away how many people were interested. Yes. There's nothing in between those two poles. It's like, it's not going to work, but I haven't actually done anything and I've done anything and holy crap, that was awesome. You know, I, I, that's one of the biggest hurdles. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that people have to overcome when they're kind of starting this is the fear that, uh, you know, I'm emailing them too much or I'm annoying them. And there's a couple of things to keep in mind, which you know. I mean, number one, I love this quote. Uh, it go, I forget who said it, but it goes, you'd care a lot less about what people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. <laughs> right? Like, they're not, m- most people are not getting your emails, the ones mm-hmm. that are or not reading them, right? Yeah. So sending, sending the same email or a, a similar version of it, a revision of it, you know, three or four times over the course of a week or two to the same list is they're probably only going to get read once. Dude, I, I'm, I worked my butt off to get like a 40% open rate, which as we know in that world is huge. That's a 40% open rate. So most of my emails are not being opened. And then if you take that 40% and remove my family members, it's probably a 30% open rate. (laughs) And if then you take the readability and the reading rate, you know, one of my emails, I put a line in there. If you're reading this far, t- let me know and I'll send you $20. And I have, <laughs> I didn't, bucks. yeah, <laughs> I sent out one, uh, one $20 gift card for Starbucks. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, But I it's just that. like ridiculous. And you know, I mean, I'm sending out thousands a, a week. And so anyways, um, yeah, people won't do it, but you know, even a flyer up and I think putting a flyer at the front desk, if you're running a clinic saying, Hey, we're going to start this gym, blah, blah, blah. Forget the fact that people are reading it. It acts as a cue card for you to go, Hey Rick, by the way, did I tell you about our gym? And the best thing you can hear is, yeah, you told me the last three times I've been in here. And it's like, okay. Awesome. Yeah. When would you like to come by and check it out? (laughs) Right. Getting your customers to know what you're offering is, uh, is about, 
it's, you need the repetitions about as many times you need to teach your kids to say please and thank you. That's right. That's yeah, a great. Like 7,000 times they usually start breaking through. <laughs> so. well, and, and to your point, you have to think, you have to think, um, again, it's easy to default. Well, I emailed them. They know about it. They're not interested. Right. 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 You have to use all the, di- that's, which is totally inaccurate. Uh, you have to use all the different channels. So I'd be using, I would alter my internal list first. I would email, I would direct mail, I would text message face-to-face, and I'd call them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... A, 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 and if you're, if you're good you know, at Facebook you know, marketing, throw them in a Facebook... Uh, throw an ad to retarget them. Yeah, you can put them in a Facebook custom audience and yeah. get them there too, sure. Hey, by the way, uh, we're opening our gym this day. Yeah, I just think you can do all that. You know, like, remind them on Facebook you're starting on a certain date. You know, and there, there's an easy way. One of my mentors, um, you know, explained to me one time, he's like, you know, you have this fear that you're going to be annoying or be perceived as an a-hole in your, um, in all of your communications because you're marketing to folks. It's like, there's an easy way to, to, to avoid that. It's like, don't be an a-hole. Don't be annoying. Like when you're sending out this content, anytime mm-hmm. you're sending out content, it needs to be much more about serving them than mm-hmm. serving yourself, right. right? So if your messaging is always, hey, come see our gym. Come see our gym. Sign up to see our gym. Have you heard about our gym? Check out our gym. Pay, pay money to our gym. Cool. That's cool. annoying. That's yeah. On the other hand, it's, hey, we're opening up this gym. Um, these are some of the benefits that, uh, that you know, our, our clients are going to be receiving. Do you have any questions about how this might help you? Here's a video we put together. Like deliver value, build up, um, build up relationship capital with that person. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just so important. Okay. Which in, in our world is, you know, luckily we, we have a huge advantage here because as healthcare providers, we have cared about these people and brought mm-hmm. them from brink of disaster back. And they're very appreciative of that early on in that relationship. So you already have a leg up if you're, if you're in this model. Um, so that's internal list lead generation. I just want to move forward. We can capture all this lead generation. Yes. Uh, and then what, what would be the next system? Retention. All right. I mean, so you'd have to parallel, right? Like I, lead gen is obviously number two in that system. The first thing I would do inside lead gen would be use my internal list. Okay. And then I would, I would get together with an expert that's good at external lead gen because it's a very complicated thing. You know, can you give anybody some direction there? Who, like, what are we looking for or? I mean, uh, you're looking for, I mean, obviously. Because as soon as you start looking at Facebook ads, you will be inundated with quote unquote gurus who will teach you how yes. to make a million dollars in four yeah. minutes. Yeah, that's right. Are you wanting me to like suggest names off the top of if, my head? If or? you have any that, I mean, we're not saying these are the only ones, but I, I could name some untrustworthy ones, but I don't like to blast people. But if you know yeah, any. I don't want to do that. I, there's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot more untrustworthy ones than there yeah. are trustworthy ones. I, I would say that I would look at, um, you could look at gym launch if you yeah. wanted to. They've got a really good reputation from lead gen stuff. Um, and then lead gen, like, yeah, you, yeah, you're in the fitness space, but the process of lead gen, you kind of either get it or you don't. So mm-hmm. undoubtedly you have um, other people in your area that you've, 
work with other professionals, I would talk to them about who they use for that kind of stuff because it's also nice to have somebody local. Obviously, technology allows us now to be able to work with anybody all over the world, but mm-hmm. um, that's, that's where I'd start on okay. external stuff. Um, ultimately, though, who you stick with on any lead gen, it's got to be a numerical decision, right? An ROI number decision. Oh, it can't be, oh, Chad's great. Yeah, I mean, we, we got like, you know, 0.04% return, but he's an awesome guy and he totally knows what he's doing, yeah. right? Like the numbers have to drive that. Um, Meaning if you put in $1,000, the, the amount back that you can measure needs to be greater than that $1,000? Well, yeah. And really, I mean, ROI is, there's a couple different ways to slice it up um, and it can get super complicated. Um, but really, you should be looking at, you have to know your lifetime value of a client before you can really... Uh, evaluate your ROI. Hey, I want to tell you all about Membrant. Membrant, with a D in there like Rembrandt, Membrant is an app platform. Now, this company is the one who built the Clinic Gym Hybrid app. And if you uh, purchase our accelerator program, you will get firsthand knowledge of what they do. But I think this is the next evolution in clinics who want to really give their patients better care, better service, while making it more convenient. So, What Membrand can do is help you design a custom app for your company. This isn't just like rebranding somebody else's. This is your app that lives on the app store and your patients can download. Now, what's the power of an app? Well, let's just say, for example, that you have a certain protocol that you want your low back pain patients to go for. So let's say you include the McGill Big Three, a little talk about repetitive motions and finding your kind of McKenzie protocol of reducing your your pain through those repetitive asymptomatic movements. Well, you could tag the patients, meaning that you kind of put them on a list that says you want them to have access to the low back protocols, right? And then you could have another program of videos, articles, exercise descriptions, all that, that only go out to your patients with shoulder pain, right? Or ones that go out to patients with plantar fasciitis. If you can build that program, then what Membrane can help you do is make sure that only the patients that really need the plantar fasciitis exercises get that delivered to their phone. That thing that they're staring at, some estimates say as many as 500 times a day. All right. So check out membrant.com, membrant.com, or send me an email. I can hook you up with those guys and they can put together a fantastic program. I think it's really the future and it's one more way that technology will help you make more money while providing better care and a better business model. So check out membrant.com. Back to the systems. First one is what happens when you get a new client? How yeah. are we training them? How do we share our philosophy? How do we teach them? Yeah. Second thing is start lead generation. Lead generation is hit up your internal list, which is going to be the least amount of friction and the highest reward. They already know, tell, they know they've been to your location for God's sakes, which is people don't tell you that's half the battle in getting people to show up for these right. fitness consults. It's like, can they actually find your place? Yeah. And then retention. Uh, two things I want to go over before, and I want to be respectful of your time. But uh, retention strategies and or external legion and the thought of using text message, phone, because a lot of people go, oh, I'll generate all these leads for you. But they don't tell you the big work, the system needs to be built is not getting them to respond to Facebook ad. It's let's say you get 100 people to respond to Facebook ad. What do you do between that and them walking in the door and handing you a credit card? That's That's where that's the most overlooked, underspoken thing I've. I don't know why. Nobody talks about that. Exactly. So you want to talk about that or retention? Um, let's talk about that. 
I mean, okay. retention's an easy, I mean, I can do retention in 10 seconds, right? Like, uh, well, maybe, maybe we'll save that for another call. I don't want to, I don't want to under undermine it, but I mean, provide a great experience, serve your people, right? Like go read, what is it? The gold standard, Ritz, the Ritz Carlton, go read the, um, I've never read it. Yeah. Okay. Experience. Okay. Uh, any of those things, it, we're in an experience-based economy now, so you've got to provide an amazing experience. All right, sorry. Cool. Get down that no, no, no. Um, you're absolutely correct, right? When you're looking at the quote-unquote pipeline, which is you know the process that people work their way through, they start as a lead and uh-huh. ultimately want them to become a client at the other end of the pipeline. That, uh-huh. that crucial segment is what happens between, like what happens between those two, right? Like, your lead, you're trying to push them to come in for a consult is usually kind of the way it works out. Um, so I'm, you asked me what systems we do for that portion well, just, of it? Like some, yeah, some guideposts there for people. Like th- this is what nobody told me that I wish somebody had. Okay. You're, so, you run some Facebook ads, you're going to end up with a list of say 100 yeah. leads. So what do you do with them? With those leads, obviously the first thing that – the most crucial thing is understanding what you're trying to accomplish initially with that lead. Let's assume it's a consult in yeah. this in case. Yeah, so you want to make fair. it as easy as possible for them to schedule a consult. You can use um, different platforms out there to accomplish that, or you can go old school, which works well, particularly in the beginning, which is like pick up the phone, email them. You need to have a conversation with them mm-hmm. first, right? Like we're trying, ultimately we're trying to get a dialogue started so that we can use that dialogue to get them comfortable enough to schedule. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. And I think, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're unwilling to pick up the phone, you must be unwilling to make money. That's right. Like in the gym business, the phone cannot be under, like it cannot, you cannot overstate the importance of the phone. That's in, especially in that right. initial. Yeah. Everybody I know inside the gym business that's successful goes, use a phone. Every outside, well, I don't really want to call people. My clients don't do bullshit. Excuse my yeah, language. Not even remotely true. If yeah, that thing's not right. dialing outbound, you ain't making money. That's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, there are some, typically when you're trying to get somebody to schedule a consult or get a dialogue started, regardless of the medium that you're using, you're, again, going back to what I said in the emails, for your internal list is you got to provide value. It's like, how can I help you? I see that you're interested in working um, with us in, in Josh's gym. Um, what sort of things are you trying to accomplish? Question mark. Or uh, what have you been doing lately? Question mark. Right? Like how, how can I help you? What, what would, how you have to have this mindset in any of your communication of how can I serve you? Right. Okay. Um, and so then there's the other part of the process, which is, okay, let's say that you've, you know, you, you kind of dialed in your uh, content, what you're going to say when you're on the phone, you got your, your phone sales, all these things would, would fall under phone sales, right? Like, what are we going to say when we're on the, um, I'm going to, what are we going to say when we're on the phone? Um, and then the next part of that is once you get them scheduled, it's now we want to make sure that they show up, right? So we're breaking up this whole process into little chunks and then looking at each of those chunks and trying to optimize them. Sorry, I'm falling into my, uh, my automation, my automation brain with, with optimization, but that's all right. That's all right. Schedule and show, I would be sending them, um, 
I'd be sending them information on the gym. I'd be sending them success stories of people that have come in and, and uh, you know, done well. These are things we want to ensure that they don't have scheduler's remorse, if you will. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, so how do we reduce that? Uh, phone calls, welcoming, uh, phrasing it a little bit of like, hey, I can't wait till I meet you, Rick. I'm looking forward to our meeting on Thursday at 3 p.m. Yeah. That kind of stuff goes a long way, right? Absolutely. I mean, and just, even, just communicate with them. Pretend you were on the other side of the equation. And what would you want? What would you like? What would you like to, what kind of experience would you want to um, be, on the, be the recipient of? Somebody that's super attentive to the fact that, um, I mean, let's back up to something kind of global for a second. Like coming into a gym and working with a personal trainer for a lot of people is an emotional thing, right? Like typically it's not the person that's got their fitness all dialed in, right? Like there are certainly those outliers, but typically it's somebody that's unhappy with the way they look, unhappy with the way they feel, um, unhappy that they can't get on the ground and roll around with their kids and they're trying to change their lives. So that is a, that's an emotional thing. So anything that you can do in in the onboarding process, which is anything from capturing the lead to getting them signed up, to make them comfortable with you is going to increase the likelihood that you get the result that you want. So <clears throat> if, if you were to guess how much time it takes from a lead, you, well, so somebody signs up as a lead, when you look at phone calls, text messages, emails, and all that, is there a number you could guide people to say, like, you're doing enough or here might be an issue? Like, it, I've never heard of anybody reaching out one time and getting that person, like, consistent getting people to show up after one contact. Not, not, not consistently. Not cons Sorry, my two-year-old is um, Not consistently. Certainly it happens, right? Like, you'll – some. So this is an important thing. I know I'm kind of bouncing around here, but I don't, I don't want people to miss this. The speed at which you get back to somebody that's inquired about your service is crucial, right? So let's say you generate a, generate a lead. You have some sort of process that notifies you of that, right? Whether it's through an email notification to you. I mean, you need to have a system in place that is, that is on top of it. It's either you're either texting them or you're calling them ASAP. Right. Because right. they're at a point emotionally where they just said, all right, you know what? I got to do this. And we all know that with our health and our fitness, you kind of ride these waves, you know, like ah, I feel pretty good about myself. I'm good. And then whatever you walk past the mirror the wrong way. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> this has gone south. We, it's, it's when it's gone south that they're filling out the, the form that they're taking. It. You got to get the conversation started right then. So the speed of following up with people is hugely important. I didn't want to miss that. Okay. And when we're saying speed, like, I'll tell you what we do. Um, when a lead comes in, in any of our systems within three minutes, they're getting that lead is getting a text from the appropriate person at the location. Now this is automated. Um, uh, wow. Uh, that's saying, Hey, I, 
just want to let you know, sounds or something, I can't remember the exact context, but it's saying it's introducing themselves and saying, Hey, I saw that you're interested in working with us. Um, I'll give you a call just as soon as I can. Is there anything that, can you tell me what you've been doing lately? Something like that, right? Like something to get the dialogue started. And then the person in our gyms is being notified that they have a new lead. And so as soon as they can pick up the phone and call that person, they're going to, I think our text is something I'll give you a call and just as soon as I can or something like that. I can't Mm -hmm. remember the exact context. Um, So I think when you're, I back out again, 10,000 foot per second, because we're talking about these different systems and when to implement them. There's, there's, uh, there's an evolution in your systems, right? Like you have to start with what is it we want to do? If I was to do, if I was to create the perfect scenario where I only had one person to do this for, and I was doing it myself personally, what would that look like? Right? So that helps you create the experience. And then the next evolution is, okay, how do I make this whole thing a lot easier to do on a regular basis? And that's where systems like automation type systems come into play. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think we both ended up meeting each other at a f- automation workshop because yeah, of yeah, like the reason Rick keeps going back to, I'm trying to keep this high level is I think what you're doing a great job of Rick is presenting the problem. And then obviously after you encounter this problem a few times, you go back and you're like, let me, uh, you know, fricking uh, solve this with the technology, which is yes. how you ended up with all these things. And then that's when you saw how powerful it was. I'm guessing that's why you now offer it to other people going, uh, you know, your life doesn't have to be this hard. Let me show, right. <laughs> let me show you how easy this can that's be. That's right. I mean, it's funny. I kind of joke with my wife about this, but I mean, this, this whole business that I do now really grew out of, I'm going to say being lazy, but that's not really, I mean, I say it kind of jokingly, like if I can automate something, Mm -hmm. why would I not? There's an interesting philosophy in there (laughs) because here's the other thing that I don't think gets enough credit in the automation game. As soon as you have it set up, I'm going to say this to make it impactful, but as soon as you have it set up that, Hey, every person that comes in for their first workout gets an email afterwards or forget it. Let's say you don't even have a gym. You're only have your clinic. You come in for your initial exam. After that, you get an email and it's automated. It's great that it's automated, but the power is the fact that it's actually occurring every single time. That's like right. it is a true system. And if you could have an employee do that every single time and the email was exactly the same and it went out exactly this, the right amount of time afterwards and it went to exactly the right email address on file and did all that, that would be awesome. But it would be super expensive too. And yeah. And that person might get sick and they might get, go through divorce yeah. and they might, you know, move across the country. And so it gets harder and harder, but man, having that system, so when you see these businesses, especially franchises, like one of the reasons they're able to sell the system to somebody is they, they identify the problem and then they built a system and solved it usually with technology that just occurs every single time. And now that fact that it occurs every single time, let's say that that one email gives you 0.03% improved outcome. Yeah. Well, now compounding interest is working in your favor. And we've That's stacked exactly enough right. of those 0.03s on top of each other and now we have profit margin. Whereas that's the guy that's like trying to keep it all tracked with post-it notes and, you know, memory and all that, yeah. he's not getting any compounding interest. In fact, he's getting a parasitic 
wearing of his energy. And uh, very well put. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you what, man. The first, like I said, you got to start with the strategy. What is it that we want to do? You have to have that picture first. Draw it out. Map it out. Like I would, as an exercise with my managers, I'd say, okay, let's grab a piece of paper and let's. What's the first thing that happens? Oh, okay, we get a lead. So you write lead down, and then you draw an arrow to the right. What's the next thing? Oh, we're, what's the next thing we want that person to do? Oh, we want them to schedule a consult. What's the next thing we want them to do after that? Um, we want them to sign up. Okay, what do we want them to do after that? Right, and you answer all these questions. And if, if you'll do that, kind of a massive, it may, may not even be that massive, but like an, an if-then kind of drawing, uh, you know, on a, on a piece of paper, just start there, super simple. And then think about each of, each of those transitions, each of those arrows. Am I making sense here? Uh-huh. Okay. Each of those arrows represents a process that needs to be developed. So break them down. Look at those individually and go, um, what's the, if, if I only had to manage one lead in the whole world <laughs> and I could give them the most amazing experience, what would I do? Okay. And then that becomes part of your strategy. And once you get, you do that for all of the arrows, um, now you have your map of what you need that the idea then is, okay, that's our strategy. Now let's find a way to automate the hell out of this thing so that we can make our business run the way that it's drawn out here on the paper. That's, that's the way I like to think about it. Yeah. No, uh, it's like, uh, uh, our friend Ryan Chapman, I think is the one who said this to me, but he's like, set it up, draw it out and then do it without automation and realize how frustrating it is and how hard it is. And then just say between here and here, we can automate that piece. Maybe not the whole thing. Like you can't, Gary V says you can't automate a hug, right? (laughs) But that's right. You can do a lot of it, you know? And, um, so do those things. So I think we've, we've covered a huge map here uh, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Man, we're right up against it. And there's so many questions. Okay. I'm okay, man. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, here, here, let me ask you this. So just going through, number one, find out how to build a system to bring people in and their first, their experience, their first few days. Make sure you share your philosophy in there, core values, why you started the place. Share the story. And don't, you know, like you can't share we're it. We're talking about people. an action plan for people that are listening, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next up. Yeah. Start your legion, internal first, and then expand. Use the phone. I mean, I'm taking broad strokes here, right? Yep. Yes. If you need some help, find a good Facebook ad person. But that's maybe half the plan, half the battle. If if it's that much, that that's not the problem. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that follow-up. Then bring people in. That gets people in. And then start working on retention. Basically, yeah. make a kick-ass experience so you don't lose any of those five, six, dozen people you get that first couple months, right? Then when you, yeah, when you have those systems and you're going crazy trying to keep it all engaged to make sure this person has that and this person has that, then uh, automate those things and use technology to solve them. Yeah, I think that's a very good way of looking at it. Yeah. And then they'll become as successful as you and end up loving their business and unwilling to sell their current business, but willing to change what they're doing, which is That's kind right. of where you're at, right? right. And I think, I think what they'll find, I know you've, you've caught this bug. As soon as you, when you start mapping this out, 
you know, your map two years from now is going to look different because, you know, originally it was like, okay, we capture a, we capture a lead. That's the first part of our pipeline. The next thing they do is we want them to schedule a consult. The next thing we wanted to do is show up. The next thing we wanted to do is sign up. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Like there, there's this idea that there's always something you should be doing with a contact, right? Like, so somebody that signs up, that seems initially like that's the end of the pipeline, but it's not. What do we want to do? We want to generate referrals from them. We want to retain them. So let's Let's think about what could we do to generate referrals? What can we do to increase retention? And so your, your map is going to continue to grow, right? And as you start to automate some of these things, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, we can, we can add that to this you know, system or this pipeline. Oh, and we can add this little piece. Um, it's addicting. Yeah, it is. And when you, <laughs> there, I can remember the, the day when I set up this big uh, thing to get leads in for a golf program we were doing in our gym and I, you know, set it up, finally get done at like four 30 in the afternoon. I show up the next day and my phone's like pinging, pinging, pinging. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And I realized I'd set up this automated conversation so that when the lead came in within a few minutes, they got a contact text and then right. it was going back to me. And if they responded, it went to my phone. Well, I got like four conversations going on with people. I'm like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. You know, like, like it just actually starts working. And then, um, it just becomes so exciting. Like, Oh my God, this is the, the way out of the desert. You know, like you start seeing the light Absolutely. and you're like, this is an incredible experience. So no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, just out of curiosity, so you work with a bunch of franchisees and you provide yeah. this services and whatnot. And, um, what typically happens when you start providing them with these systems? Like what are the milestones? Like they call you and say, Hey Rick, I played golf. I haven't played golf in six years. Like, what what are what are some outliers that you kind of see as actions oh, that like oh, oh, you are, know you success rates here? Yeah, success. Yeah, uh, I think most of it revolves around. Um, uh, well, I, I get a lot of feedback on. I mean, here's here's the reality. This is a pretty robust system that these franchisees are using, and we train them on it extensively uh, in the beginning, but you know, they're like all business owners are going a million different directions and they kind of forget that some of these processes are happening for them until they get a reply to an email that they didn't know they sent because mm-hmm. their contacts are being pushed through the system and, and uh, you know, they get fantastic responses to content and it just kind of hits them like, oh my gosh, I don't, I kind of forget sometimes how much this is doing in the background and they get, they, when they start getting replies, does that make sense? Or they get mm-hmm. extra replies to texts that they didn't necessarily remember. I mean, they knew subconsciously, Hey, this is the strategy that we're executing, but nobody said to them, Hey, we're going to send this email out today. Let's see if somebody responds to it. Yeah. I, it's those types of things um, that are super fulfilling. And then we, you know, we get together for conferences and, and uh, you know, it, it's, this, these kinds of systems, they provide um, the scaffolding for people to be able to really build their businesses and ultimately uh, experience what we all want, I think, as business owners is to have a little bit of flexibility and freedom and to be able to invest our time where, where we want to. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's the thing is like when you're a friend of mine uses the analogy, says it's like, you know, when you're starting this early business, it's like falling off the back of a cruise ship. 
and you're just tossed and turned, yes. and, you know, and, and you yeah. can't breathe and everything. And these little systems as ridiculous as sound like they just, they're, it's, you still got to swim back to shore. Right. But, yes. but you know, which direction the bubbles are going like, and then you know which okay. direction shore is. And then it's like, okay, you got work, but now you can kind of, when you're on the middle of the ocean, you don't know where the hell to go. You could paddle around in circles. You don't know. But uh, now it's like, okay, well, shore is just a mile that way. So just, you can, yeah. I'm not saying go slow, but you can slow up a little bit because you know exactly where you're going and you can break yeah. this into like some, um, you know, break this into like a, a, some parts and pieces. So uh, it, I think that just helps people so much. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, there's so, so much clarity that comes from having, that's why I think the mapping exercise is so helpful, you know, because if you draw yeah. out, you draw your business out in a flow chart. Do you, do you have your old map? Yeah. Yep. You do? I'd love, yep. to, I'd love to see it someday. That's awesome. I remember hearing a story like Walt Disney drew a map of like the movies were at the center and he's like, no, never stop the movies. And he, he drew the amusement park, clothing, merchandise, something else. He drew that back before Disneyland even opened. Well, how can you build that if you don't, you know, how can you expect to, to build a business if you don't ex- understand exactly what you want yeah. your, your business to do? That is a very um, comforting process, I think, because yeah. it gives you some direction. Man, I'd love to, maybe we could schedule like a webinar sometime and uh, if you'd be willing to and take people sure. through that and show yeah. them what there is, because I think seeing it on paper too is, is so powerful. Doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Happy awesome. To. All right. Uh, well, and we've filled up all of an hour here. So uh, let's definitely schedule a number two, like in a couple months. And we, sure. I think we can expand out on this stuff. Um, if people kind of want to get a hold of you or like what you've talked about and they want to uh, maybe talk to you more, you mind if they reach out to you? No. Have, yeah. How sure. can they get a hold of you? Yep. Oh, uh, my email address is Rick, R-I-C-K, at 25, the numbers, then 40, spelled out, F-O-R-T-Y, co.com 2540co.com all right Where, where's the name come from the name comes from uh the book of matthew um chapter 25 verse 40 which is talks about um the the scripture says that what you do unto the least of these you do unto me so it's a service-based scripture and it's just really at the core of what uh i've tried to build our business and our business's culture around which is service. And if we awesome, focus, I know that if we focus on treating everybody that we interact with uh, to the highest level we can, um, then everything else will take care of itself. Awesome. Well, yep. that's 2540co.com. You got it. Rick at 2540co.com. That's also one of those domains that you, uh, you established before you realize you're going to have to tell people what your email address is. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Um, but anyway, Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Hey, my pleasure. Um, yeah. So Rick Anderson, uh, you know, been a franchisee, he's been a trainer, he's been all these things. So he understands the system. So when he's saying these things, I don't want to, this pun is not intended here, but there it's, it's gospel. He's seen all sides of it and now servicing the franchisees who are in the trenches doing it. I think, uh, if you go back and listen, he shared quite a few gold nuggets here. So Rick, I really appreciate your time, man. You're welcome, buddy. Anytime. 
All right. On behalf of Rick Anderson, this is uh, Dr. Josh Sadley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Rick. Welcome, bud. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information, just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. That's clinicgymhybrid.com and check us out there.